It is Daring Dialogues with your host, Shante Charles, and it is Business Friday. As promised, we said that we were going to be starting Get Good With Money by Tiffany Aliche, the budget nista. I'm going to start out by reading the part of the introduction. I don't think we're going to get through it um, in 15 minutes, but... I'm going to stop at the 15-minute point, and uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about her financial journey and what it means for us today. And we'll talk about whether or not you are on a financial journey. If there's a goal that you're trying to meet, um, if you're trying to get your uh, finances in order, this is all about budgeting. We are also next Friday going to be cracking open a new book talking about um, wealth and whiteness and talking about the housing market and also the tax market and how that has affected black families. So we'll also be reading from that. I believe the book is entitled The Whiteness of Wealth. Don't uh, don't quote me on it. I did introduce it a couple weeks back, but we'll bring it back again on next Friday. So we'll be going back and forth between these two books. And let's go ahead and get started on the introduction to Get Good With Money. Here's the cover if you're looking for it in your local library. Again, it's by Tiffany Aliche. Introduction. I messed up. No, I really messed up this time. About 10 years ago, these were the words that replayed in my head as I sat crying and packing up my things. For a couple of reasons, I couldn't afford my condo and had to move out pronto. This was 2009 and we were in the middle of the Great Recession. The recession was like a scary monster that lurked around every corner. We were all talking about it and several friends had lost their jobs due to it. I had assumed I was in the clear because I was a preschool teacher and teaching jobs were supposed to be recession-proof right? Unfortunately, my school was a non-profit and the corporate entities that kept us going no longer had the funds to do so. Three days earlier, I'd learned that I and all the staff was out of work. As usual, I'd been living on savings over the summer months. I was paid on a nine-month basis and had to plan ahead to stretch it through the full 12 and hadn't seen this layoff coming. This was one of the reasons I now couldn't afford my mortgage and was moving out in a rush. Now, the interesting thing is when people find themselves in these kinds of situations, as Tiffany did, people often don't have a whole lot of mercy for you. (laughs) Um, I can speak from experience. There are times in our life when life happens. When we don't see what's coming around the corner, when we don't see the layoff, which can lead to other things. But let us stop, she says. I'm getting ahead of myself. So much happened before my meltdown, so let me take it back to the very beginning. My parents are pretty awesome. They were born and raised in small rural villages in Nigeria. My dad came to the United States first. He had little money and dreams for more. He later brought my mother, the love of his life, from a neighboring village to join him. Through hard work, discipline, and a sickening work ethic, they both earned two degrees, 
a bachelor in economics and an MBA in finance for my dad, and a bachelor's and master's in nursing for my mom. They held down great jobs, both are now retired, and they had five lovely college-educated daughters. I'm the second and wildest of the daughters. My parents have also always been masters at weaving financial lessons into our day-to-day activities. Here's a perfect example. I'll set the scene. Roselle, New Jersey, 1986, July. I was six years old and heavily focused on riding my bike, playing outside, and eating ice cream. You know, serious six-year-old stuff. But I had three siblings, two of whom were also interested in ice cream, which would have added up to a pretty big expense for my parents if we'd all been allowed to buy it from the ice cream truck every day. So my parents had devised a unique and financially responsible way for me and my sisters to enjoy treats. We each had a weekly ice cream day, which allowed us to ask for a dollar when the ice cream truck came around. The others could eat the cheaper store-bought variety stashed in the freezer. I can remember one specific occasion when my day came up. I heard the sound of the ice cream truck bell as it came down the street and quickly ran into the house to collect my dollar. Daddy, the ice cream man is here and today is my day. Odochi, he said gravely. Odochi pronounced uh, Odochi is my Nigerian name. Odochi, the water man just left with your dollar. My six-year-old mind immediately started racing. Had the police been called? Was anybody hurt in a robbery? If it wasn't a robbery, what did the water man have to do with the ice cream man that was in the truck that was getting closer every minute? I'm guessing you're just as confused as I was. So let me step back just a little further to explain the significance of the water man. At six years old, I was obsessed with water. My obsession often led me to turning on all the faucets in the house to enjoy the soothing sounds of running water no matter what room I was in at the time. As you can imagine, this habit did not go over well with my mother and father, who A, paid for that running water, and B, were very budget conscious, which explains what my dad said next. Odochi, the water man came because every time you run the water, it has to be paid for. So today, I had to give him your ice cream day money. I have only a vague recollection of what happened next. The trauma has clearly caused me to block out this part of my history. According to eyewitnesses, I dramatically flung my body to the floor in a temper tantrum. Later that night, I cried myself to sleep, lamenting the unfairness of it all. The next morning, my dad sat me down and I had my very first purposeful, conscious money talk. I learned that things cost money and that the choices I make have a direct impact on my quality of life. In other words, there is no such thing as a small financial choice. We each must learn how to weigh our short-term desires against our long-term goals. The question is, will you choose water or ice cream? By age 26, I thought I had taken this important lesson to heart, and I was proud of my balanced finances and frequent wise choices. After all, I had defied math and managed to save $40,000 in a little under three years, even though my teacher's salary started at $39,000. My credit score was an 802 out of 850, and a year before, at the tender age of 26, I had bought my, my aforementioned condo. Sound too good to be true? It was. Get your pearls ready, because you'll be clutching them in a minute. 
In 2007, I had already accomplished the savings and stats I mentioned above. You might even say I thought I was at my most financially responsible. I was certainly feeling confident in my ability to manage my own money. So much so that I decided I was ready to start investing and beyond mere retirement. And instead of asking my financially expert dad for a crash course on that more sophisticated concept, I turned instead to someone who had money and asked him to teach me how to grow wealth. I turned to a guy we'll call Jack the Thief or JTT for reasons that will soon become apparent. JTT had an expensive car, owned a penthouse apartment in New York, and always seemed to have cash on hand. In my 20s, I didn't realize that you could have expensive things, but not really own expensive things. I reached out to JTT and asked him to help me invest. I had no previous credit card debt, and he said that the best way to invest is with other people's money. So he advised me to open new credit cards and take out cash advances to use the credit card company's money to build my own wealth. JTT owned several stores in Europe, and the plan was to use the money to buy popular American brands and ship them to his stores. We had a contract. I wasn't a total dummy, I assured myself. And according to Jack, the projected revenue on my $20,000 investment would be $2,000 per week for two years. His plan sounded solid to me, and since he always seemed to have money, I didn't doubt where he got it or how he managed his own. I know, I know, I must have been crazy. The truth was I was blinded by a deep wish to help my parents retire. They had sacrificed so much to put me and my four sisters through college. My logic was to use the money I'd make on, his, on this $20,000 investment to make sure they no longer had to work. JTT knew this, and now, I know, he took advantage of my soft-heartedness. Well, that and my total lack of knowledge. You see, before this moment, I didn't even know you could get money from a credit card. What I also didn't know was that cash advances are the worst. You might as well borrow money from your neighborhood loan shark. The amount of interest you pay for that money means you're throwing money out of the window, stomping on it, rolling in, rolling it over with your car, and allowing the elements to do their worst. Cash advances on credit cards are big, bad news. So this is the part when those pearls I had advised you to get should be clutched, because I took JTT's advice. I went to the bank and asked for a $20,000 cash advance on the new credit cards I had applied for. I remember the nice bank employees being concerned about me. They kept me there for what felt like an hour, asking me questions to make sure I was making this choice of my own free will. This should have been a huge red flag, but blissfully I ignored it because I was going to make money, honey. That's what I was thinking. I got the money from the bank at last and dutifully handed it over to JTT. I'm literally yelling at 20-something Tiffany right now. What? No. Now we're back. So we reached a part of the story where a bad choice gets worse. It gets worse. Apparently, one scam that week was not enough because I decided to use my new credit to further invest in myself. I always wanted to start a business and one of my favorite financial writers was advertising an online how to start a business mentorship and training program for the temporary low rate of $15,000. 
Sounded good to me. My thinking went something like this. I would have money soon, the anticipated $2,000 a week, and even with giving my parents some cushion, I could pay that $15,000 off in a few months. After that, I figured I could use the $2,000 a week I was sure would still be rolling in to sustain the business course, um, the business the course would teach me to start, and that business would further help support my parents. What happened instead was that in less than one week, I went from having zero credit card debt to being $35,000 in the hole. All this in my family, parents, and friends had no idea. You're likely wondering what was the training program I bought and was it legit and helpful? To some degree, yes, but not $15,000 helpful. However, I did help to water the seeds I had already planted for the budget NISTA to take root. I feel your shock at how far from financial grace I fell in such a short period of time. But pace your sense of disbelief because it gets much worse before it gets better. Predictably, JTT, Jack the Thief, ran away with my money, never to be seen again. Yes, we had a contract, but no, I couldn't find him. Everything went downhill from there. For nearly two years, I refused to accept financial responsibility for my choices. I reasoned that it was all the thief's fault, not mine. That meant that although I was still a really good budget, budgeter and saver and could have buckled down and paid off the debt in a year or two on my teacher's salary, I only pay, paid the minimum on my credit cards while I hunted JTT down. It wasn't until I turned 29 that I finally accepted that the thief and my money were really gone. Now you see why 10 years ago I was sitting in my condo crying and saying over and over that I messed up. I really messed up. I had $52,000 in student loans, a $220,000 mortgage, and $35,000 in new credit card debt. My summer savings was depleted, and I just found out the job I worked for and loved for 10 years was gone indefinitely. I was also preparing to move back home with my unsuspecting parents. Oh, to add insult to injury, I was newly single because I'd recently broken up with a boyfriend I'd had for seven years. Yeah, I was not in particularly great financial or emotional shape. But things got better, right? Well, yes, but not quite yet. This was not the lowest, lowest point. That came next. I enjoyed a happy week or two when a friend agreed to rent my condo from me for $1,500 a month, which would put me only $160 short of the mortgage payment. I was so excited at the prospect of having most of my mortgage paid However, that I ignored some huge red flags yet again. Apparently, I'm colorblind when it comes to red. That day, the day my friend was supposed to move in, she didn't have her deposit for the first month's rent. She explained that her previous landlord hadn't given her back her safety deposit yet. I needed to believe that she was good for the money, and because she was my friend, I let her move in anyway. Unfortunately, she was late on rent every single month for nearly a year which meant that I spent the rest of my savings and even withdrew all the money from my retirement account trying to pay my mortgage despite not living in my condo because I didn't know how to evict her. Let's recap. I had a condo I no longer lived in and a problematic tenant. I owed massive debt. I had no job and no savings and I lived at home. My parents, although awesome, were super strict 
and my youngest sister was staying in my high school bedroom suite in the basement. So I was relegated to my middle school bed in what was now my mother's guest room. And I was still single. Big surprise. I lived this way for two years. I didn't go out. I avoided my friends and stopped picking up the phone when my money ran out and the bill collector started calling. Ultimately, the bank would foreclose on my condo. A little petty update on the Jack the Thief before we continue. A recent quick Google search of his name revealed that apparently his scamming did not end with me. He's currently in prison for identity theft and a myriad of other offenses. The federal government indicted him for trying to create fake passports while using the identity of U.S. citizens. Karma, am I right? So we're going to stop there and... Next week, we'll get into how the Budget Nista is born, getting good with fundamentals, and then we will start chapter one. What a story. <laughs> I know that I've had my share of financial woes and ups and downs and um, being in the process of rebuilding and all of that, but my goodness. <laughs> So if you'd like to come on tonight and share your thoughts on what we just heard, if you'd like to share how you are working on your finances right now, you can feel free to click the camera and I will bring you in. If you've joined us tonight by Anchor, I want to thank you for your time and attention. This has been Daring Dialogues and I've been your host tonight, Shantae Charles. We look forward to you joining us again next Friday as we continue Get Good With Money with Tiffany Aluche. Take care and have a wonderful weekend.